You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. there everybody and welcome back to the circling sales sports i almost said the podcast it's been a while since i've said that uh circling sales sports on converge media i'm your host as always charles hammaker here with you uh you can see we're still in the home studio so again dealing with stuff that's out of our control uh working on that as we can uh but besides that you know we continue to push we continue to move on uh as do our sports teams of course you know with with um some exciting news you know uh, with, with what comes with long seasons, all of that. So we'll head right into things here um, as we're now getting closer and closer to the middle of the month of April, which is, again, crazy to think about. Time flies, time is an illusion, all that sort of thing. So we'll start off here with a small bit of Seahawks news. On the fourth of the month, the team re-signed wide receiver Cody Thompson. Thompson, uh age 27 came into the league as an undrafted free agent out of the university of toledo whoa <laughs> toledo back in 2019 uh, when he initially signed with kansas city uh he then spent time on sales practice squad later that season uh spent some time with the Bengals on their practice squad um after all of that he ended up re-signing with the seahawks late in the 2019 season in addition to his time in the practice squad over the past few seasons, he's appeared in five games in 2021, playing primarily on special teams. He spent all of last year on injured reserve after suffering a shoulder injury in Seattle's first preseason game. So there's some depth there at the wide receiver spot for Seattle. I know that, um, I mean, it, it's likely going to be a depth move. I imagine that Seattle will take a, a wide receiver in this draft to sort of round them out. Um with a, a true third wide receiver. They haven't really had that um, in the time that they've had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I mean, Marquise Goodwin provided some solid logging, uh, some solid stats last year. I was trying to say he logged some solid snaps, but the word just came in late there. Um, but there hasn't really been a true third receiver for Seattle, and that's okay. That's okay. You can't you know have this luxury of wide outs, luxury of talent, luxury of weapons, uh, for your quarterback. Um, but I think that Seattle has a chance to add that this year in the draft. Um, I thought they've been able to add positions of need in the draft in years prior, and they haven't done that. So who knows what they're going to be looking for in that regard. Um, but I think that they can do that. It was funny. There was a report today that Jackson, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio state was the only wide receiver that was viewed as a number one, uh, uh top, draft pick sort of guy top first a first rounder so maybe seattle feels that way maybe they don't you know they do have that pick around 20 so we'll see but uh, again this is the depth the thompson signing should be depth unless he comes out and balls out like crazy then who knows um we move over here to our mariners who 
have been trying to ball like crazy, haven't been able to do that consistently. Uh, they finished out their opening homestand uh, with a three-game set against the Los Angeles Angels, so that first uh, divisional opponent that they're going to be battling. Um, April 3rd versus the Angels was a 3-7 to loss on Monday. Our play of the game, third baseman A. Eugenio Suarez. Gino, two hits, two RBIs on the day. Uh, April 4th versus the Angels, an 11-2 win. The bats come alive. It's a big game. Uh, things really, this is the first real, like, great game outside of opening day. Um, two players of the game here are right fielder Teoscar Hernandez. Teo, two hits, two runs, and four BI. He has a multi-homer game. I believe it's the 15th multi-homer game of his career. Uh, another second player of the game, left fielder AJ Pollock. Pollock. Two hits, two runs, and five RBIs. His 10th multi-homer game of his career. So some solid stuff there. You're good to see that. You know, Teoscar and Pollock have both been sort of struggling. They had hit balls out to, like, the warning track, hit the ball hard, hit the ball well, just haven't been able to see results of it yet. And this game felt really good for them to go out and get that and experience that. Um, You know, I know that Teoscar Hernandez in the post-game press conference said that it felt really good for him to have something like that because he had been trying to impress the fans in Seattle uh, since the season began at home. So, uh, you know, hoping that continues along. And, I mean, even in the game since then, he's had some solid stuff. So, um, hopefully from here on out, there's less pressure for that. So, there's no no need to press um, and feel like he needs to do more. Um, April 5th versus the Angels to wrap up the series. After that big win, obviously, Seattle had a chance to take the series against the Angels. They would come close, but they ultimately could not pull off the comeback attempt, falling to Los Angeles 3-4. to four. Our play of the game third baseman, Eugenio Suarez. Gino, again, two hits, two RBIs. Um, continuing this hit streak that he's got going on. Um, and unfortunately, the Mariners cannot beat Shohei Otani on the mound. Otani actually drives in a run as well. Chris Flexen has a solid start. I mean, there's a two-run homer he allowed to Logan O'Hope or Hoppy um, in the second inning, I believe. But then it was smooth sailing from there. Um, did, you can't really ask for too much more out of a guy like Chris Flexen after he'd been moved to the bullpen. And now he has to start again because Robbie Ray's injury. So um, solid game from him there. Just unfortunate that, I mean, only three runs of uh of support there for him and i believe two of those runs came in the seventh inning so it's like you got the one in the yeah i believe it was the one in the first kind of looked like you might be able to get after otani and then he really locks in and you can't get after him um but this is a tough one so we'll go over now that we've taken a break um to watch yeah that home series and we can go over the photos because we don't have guys on the road um, so picture of the game from the game on the third, we've got Otani and Trout dapping each other up, obviously, but you can see Tom Murphy in his, uh, his stance there and his reaction kind of shows it all how we were all feeling after that, uh, on the 30, on the fourth, pardon me, you can see here, we've got the, the, the victory dance, which is very nice. Gabe Spire ends that game off and the Mariners are able to do their post game dance. And then after that game on the fifth, Ty France, uh, was the last batter in that game. He did go down swinging uh, and he just, he knew instantly, you know, he's walking off the field there. Just unfortunate uh, and a tough one there. That one captured by Liz Walter, her first Mariners game that she would go on to photograph these ones, both by Brian Saldana. Uh, the Mariners would then head out on the road to rematch Cleveland, who they had played on the opening weekend. And we've gone over that, um, go down the road to play Cleveland. They'd take that series and it would fall just, just short of sweeping 
the Guardians um, and trying to spoil their opening uh, opening series uh, at home. Uh, April 7th at the Guardians, a 5-3 to three winner. Played of the game shortstop, J.P. Crawford. John Paul, two hits, two runs, and two RBIs in that game, including a big double. On the 8th, a 3-2 to two win. Our player of the game, third baseman, A. Eugenio Suarez. Gino, again, continues to impress three hits and two RBIs. And then April 9th at the Cleveland Guardians, a 6-7 to seven loss in 11 innings. This one was very, very wild, very up and down. Um, ooh, ooh, sorry, there's some Mariners roster moves going on. Uh, hmm, okay, we'll deal with this in a minute. Um I play the game catcher Cal Raleigh, one hit, two runs, and two RBIs. George Kirby pitches a really solid game. The Mariners relievers give up some late, and then the Mariners cannot uh, end up putting Cleveland away throughout the course of that game, including multiple times um, with runners in scoring position. So that one was just really frustrating to see that end that way. You know, you were pretty decently on your way towards completing that sweep of Cleveland. Again, Cleveland's a good ball team. They've got good pitching, and they've got some good hitters in their lineup. Um, you know, there's a reason that they went to the playoffs last year. Um, but to have the multiple opportunities was unfortunate to see, you know, you weren't able to put the final nail in the coffin. A lot of people were putting the loss on Penn Murphy, uh, with the ghost runner at second, he tried to throw a pickoff attempt and it went wide and it advanced the runner to move the third. That's not the reason they lost this game. They had multiple, multiple opportunities to put this way and they didn't, you know, and even then, so if you want to blame a reliever, blame the guys earlier who gave up more runs. So, you know, uh, frustrating, really frustrating, obviously, to have that. But at the end of the day, two or three against a good Cleveland ball team, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, so, yeah, ultimately tough, sure. But, you know, there's there's improvement that was seen. You know, again, good to take those games against the Guardians to begin the series. Just tough that you couldn't put the finishing touches on them um, to end it out there. So. We look over here to player of the week. And I mean, I kept mentioning his name and I talked about a hit streak and it might be obvious that I'd go with Eugenio Suarez. Gino has a seven game hitting streak now uh, as we're on Monday, the 10th, uh, 11 hits, two runs, 12 total bases, six RBIs and one walk in that span. Uh, Gino has been playing great. As you can see, this photo by Liz Walter here. Uh, And it's been nice to see a player, you know, a hitter of that caliber be able to uh, do that while this team is still finding some offensive groove you need that sort of thing from a veteran and gino has been able to provide that i believe ty france is also uh, a similar sort of hit streak as well so again to have both of those guys like that guys who bring a lot to you at the plate when they're going well is nice to see uh what's not nice to see is injury related news of course um on the ninth there was a bunch of stuff that happened on the ninth uh mainly highlighted well not highlighted maybe low lighted by the team placing right-handed pitcher Andres Munoz on the 15-day injured list with a deltoid strain that's retroactive to the 8th of April. So that was unfortunate to see. Um, I know that on the broadcast they were talking about how it might have has his arm might have been affected with the cold weather and uh, with his injury not being able to p- build up as much as some of the other pitchers, uh, which is tough. The other moves were um, the same day Matt Fess, a right-handed pitcher, was optioned to Triple A Tacoma. Fess has been struggling to begin the year. Uh, a lot of criticism, sure, but the Mariners sent him down to Tacoma to try and figure some things out and get some things cleaned up. Uh, infielder Evan White, I know it's tough to hear his name in this category, was recalled and then placed on the 60-day injured list with a left abductor strain. Yes, 60-day injured list. 
So Evan White continues to deal with things. Um, yeah, just unfortunate, just unfortunate. I know that there were calls for him to begin the season on the opening day roster, but the Mariners felt he wasn't ready yet. And then he deals with this. Again, not directly related, but just tough to see that. Um, as a response to the roster moves of Munoz and Festa, the team recalled right-handed pitcher Justin Topa from AAA Tacoma uh, and selected right-handed pitcher J.B. Bukowskis from AAA Tacoma as well. Um both in moves uh, where those pitchers would be used in that final game against Cleveland that they would lose in 11 innings. So it's, I hear me like mumbling during the um, player of the week. No, I think it was during the Cleveland segment Um, roster moves as we're busy. This is why I keep the phone by me. The team selected the contract of redheaded pitcher, Jose Rodriguez from AAA Tacoma uh, option Bukowski's down to Tacoma and Nick Solak has been designated for assignment. If you don't remember the Mariners traded for Solak. Um, interesting. So like traded for uh, Solak with the reds for cash after Solak had been designated for assignment. So, that investment does not, I mean, again, it probably wasn't too much cash. That investment doesn't end up working out. The Mariners, we don't have any team news outside of that, outside of what we just dropped to you and no league-related news. So the Mariners record sits at a four and six spot right now, so still under 500. Um, they're fourth in the AL West. Looking ahead, they've got, they start the series tonight against the Cubs at Historic Wrigley Field, the friendly confines. Um, April 10th today at 4.40 p.m. Pacific. April 11th at 4.40 p.m. Pacific is the next game uh, in that series. And then April 12th, they rounded out against the Cubs with a getaway game on uh, with a first pitch time of 11.20 a.m. PST. Then they will come home uh, for a new homestand when they host the Rockies uh, for three games. April 14th versus the Rockies, a 7.10 start. April 15th versus the Rockies, a 6.40 start. April 16th versus the Rockies is a 1-10 start. So uh, I know that the 14th is Cal Raleigh's clinch bobblehead night. That'll be cool to see. Um, I know the Rockies have, uh, could be mixing up teams here. I want to get that right. But the Cubbies, you know, they begin a series with them with this new uh, schedule. Everybody plays everybody over the course of the season. Oops, I clicked scores instead of standings. That's not what I want. Hello. I want to see how the Rockies are doing. We'll move down here. Uh, they're four and six. Oh, we've got the same record. Okay. So hopefully that changes by then. But, you know, so we move over. I, I say we move over to the storm, but not really. The WNBA draft is tonight. This will actually be airing and starting at the same time as the draft. So we'll see. Um, who knows? Maybe by the time that we've hit the storm segment, the, the storm are going to be making their pick. At number nine, the, my big thing is, you know, with the way that your roster looks right now and with there being no clear, uh, with there being no clear leader necessarily on this storm team outside of Drew Lloyd, um, where do you go? You know, I know that there's been different calls for different players. Does Seattle move up? Probably not. Does Seattle move out? Probably not as well. Um, and, you know, within years past, the Storm haven't had a rookie on their roster. Uh, that will probably change this year. And I think at least changes uh, due to the fact that um, Jade Melbourne will be on the roster this year. So um, I don't know. It'll be really interesting. The Storm still have a lot to figure out. 
um, in terms of where they're playing players. You know, I know that foolishly the Seattle Times thought that, um, or maybe they don't, who knows with, with, with how this roster is built, um, that a few of these players could play point guard. Um, still have to figure out who's going to play point guard. I know uh, Drew Lloyd can play the point guard spot, but how often do you want to have that happen? Uh, the Times thought the kid nurse was going to be, they were like, oh, they have their, their, you know, their automatic starting point guard. And I was like, that's not quite accurate. Um, but I don't know. Again, that's a lot, that's a lot to be decided. You know, Noel Quinn and the staff will have to figure that out. Um, and who knows what could happen between now and opening night. So we move over here to uh, our Sounders who continue to rumble. Uh, they returned home uh, to host expansion side St. Louis City. Um, and this was a big battle. I mean, this is a big battle between two of the top teams in the Western Conference. And Seattle would come out on top, three to nothing. Uh, our player of the match, midfielder Josh Atencio, with an 8.7 match rating, one goal on three shots with an 82% passing percentage and one chance created. This was uh, this was a nice match to see. This was one against you know St. Louis has started off the year really well. Um, you know they've seen some really solid success. They were five and one heading into this match. They come into Seattle. You know I know that there's been some great respect between the clubs uh, shared, and see this was a tight battle until the 65th minute. You know when Atencio would score his goal it was an absolute screamer of a goal. Um, and then the floodgates would open. Our Diaz scored about five or six minutes later. Um, and then the Sounders would add what was an own goal um, after that to make it 3 nothing and have this explosion. There were close chances to begin the match. Uh, I, I believe one in the 15th minute where St. Louis came really close to sneaking one past Stefan Fry. Fry made sure that that didn't happen. Um, and it careened out uh, just outside of the post. I mean, this was a nice battle to see. You know, Seattle moves one point ahead of St. Louis in the standings to overtake the top spot in the Western Conference. Uh, they continued their great play at home. They continued to shut teams down at home, not having allowed, knock on wood, not having allowed a goal yet at home. So, I mean, with, with the way that the back line has been playing with the offensive production you've been able to get, I was going to say from Jordan Morris and Leo Chu, but those players did not contribute um, in that match at least in the scoring like that. Um, you're, you're, you're getting depth out of it. We're going to get to the reason why Atencio was in this match, but y- your depth has shown through. Uh, you've been able to move some things around tactically. Uh, Ebert appeared in this match. He appeared as a substitute uh, later in the match. And <laughs> I know that Brian Schmetzer was happy with the way things looked, having Morris, Ebert, and Rui Diaz all on the pitch at the same time. So maybe we see that. I know that um, Schmetzer has been running with a hot hand, so to say, uh, in recent weeks. Um, And it's been successful having Morris and Shu in the lineup in the way that they've had that lineup look. So who knows? Maybe we'll continue to see that. Um, But this was an impressive win. I feel like it's a statement win to, you know, obviously the first two matches were a solid start. Losing to Cincinnati was tough. Uh, drawing with LAFC is not the worst thing in the world that could have happened. I know it was like, oh, you know, should have won it. Sure. I don't disagree with you. Um, going on the road and beating Kansas City like you did, coming home and doing this. It's been really impressive to watch so far this season and just continuing to do that. Uh, making Lumina Fortress has been great again. Um, 
it's really it's really awesome to see that the way the the Sounders have been playing. And in this match, they didn't even have Joe Paulo. So uh, that will obviously indicate to you the reason why the Jos Atencio got the start. Joe Paulo missed the match with a hamstring injury that the club tried to be uh, cautious about. Uh, in one of the trainings leading up to the match, it was said that if Joe Paulo doesn't go, then Atencio would go, and Atencio would go, obviously. So, uh, again, the with injuries, I know a lot of people tend to overreact. But the club said that they're trying to be cautious with Paulo on this one, and that's the reason why he set out this match. So I would imagine nothing to worry about, but we'll obviously have to see that. Atencio, for his efforts, was named to the team of the match day, and it's being voted on if he's named for MLS Goal of the Week. Um, but good to see him get the MLS team of the match day for a guy like that, a graduate of Centers Academy. Um, still kind of a lot to work with. And I, I I talked about this at the beginning of the season in my end of the season review. I wrote about this as well, that um, the way that the Sounders, you know, Brian Schmetzer and the staff, uh, you know, get the younger players that they've got involved with is Leva, Devilair, Reed Baker, Whitting, um, Obed Vargas, obviously, you know, it'll be really, really important to get those guys involved, considering the veteran players that you have, giving them rest, rotating these players out through the course of the long season and getting a Tensio in, getting this goal. You don't think that does a lot for his confidence. Obviously, you were going to have to do that, but it pays off. It pays off is what I'm saying. So good to see that. Great for Tensio, great for the club. And now they move forward to a rivalry weekend, a big rivalry weekend, one of the biggest rivalry weekends um, in MLS. Um, and Cascadia points are on the on the table. So uh, the Sounders record sits today, five win, one loss, one draw record. They sit at second in the Western Conference, first, nope, pardon me, second in the league, first in the Western Conference. Um, next week, they play in Providence Park against the Portland Timbers. It's an April 15th match, 7.30 p.m. kickoff, which is annoying. Um the first Cascadia Cup match that the Sounders will play this year, and they play it against their bitter, bitter rivals in Portland. Seattle did not fare so well last year against the Timbers, so they're looking to change that fortune this year, obviously, and get back to bringing Cascadia Cup home. So, tough one last year with, well, multiple tough ones last year against Portland. So, again, like I said, looking to change that around uh, this year. We move over to our Kraken and talk about tough things and things were not so tough for our Kraken over this past week as they were able to clinch their first ever postseason berth in franchise history in just their second year. Um, there were the comparisons to Vegas. And again, those comparisons to Vegas will be eternally stupid. Um, but look at it this way. I, you know, the Mariners, I believe it took seven years for them to make the playoffs uh Seahawks it took them a few years so at it's this inter- this turnaround has been incredible and we're going to have sort of a end of the season uh wrap up but with the postseason taking place we're not going to do that for a little bit longer hopefully not for uh a good amount longer so anyway we'll get into the past later games April 3rd on was that Monday I believe that was Monday yes uh was a 3 to 8 to 1 win pardon me that was April 3rd I got the 3 mixed up our player of the game for Jared McCann, Canner, two goals, two points, a three plus minus, seven shots in the game, one hit, one block, and one takeaway. Uh, so the first Kraken player in franchise history to sign an extension 
uh, really shows out in that game that brings Seattle closer and closer to a playoff berth. They play a back-to-back, and they head up to Vancouver to play the Canucks for the final time this season, winning that one 5-2 to two after going down 2 to nothing in the opening period. Uh, play to the game for Jordan Everly ebbs one goal, one assist, two points, one plus minus, two shots, and two hits on the game. Uh, and after that win, it was one win that they needed to move up um, and secure a playoff spot. They were only two points outside of securing that first ever berth. They would take care of business on the six, winning that game four to two. Our player of the game is the entire forward line of Jared McCann, Matty Veneers, and Jordan Eberly. Eberly, one goal, two assists, three points, three shots, one hit, three takeaways. Yes, three takeaways. Veneers, one goal, one assist, two points, two plus minus, six shots, and one takeaway. And then McCann, one goal, two assists, three points, a two plus minus, four shots, and one takeaway. And before I get into anything else, before I get into the Chicago game or I go look at the photos, um, let's take a look at this video when the final horn sounded and the first ever playoff berth in Kraken history was secured. So that moment was really fun uh, to witness. You know, I'll remember that for a while. Uh, if you follow me on my personal Twitter, you'll have seen the champagne I poured on myself. I still had a couple of bottles left um, from when the Mariners clinched their playoff berth. I don't know, especially, you know, a lot of the time last year writing about this team with the way they lost games, the manner that those games took place. It was like, all right, you know, another loss more defensive issues, your offense couldn't generate anything. It was tough watching some of those players that are no longer on this team. Uh, but again, what was amazing and been talked about throughout this organization is the way that the fans showed up still in those games and the way that those fans loved this team still um, and really embraced them no matter what. It was like, yes, I think they understood that. A lot of the smart ones at least understood that, hey, this is the first year in their existence. They've got a bunch of guys that are still continuing to get acclimated to each other. We're just happy to have a team. And Ron Francis and Dave Haxtall in this front office, you know, Alexander Mandricki, uh, went out there and they obviously added Andre Burakovsky, who we're still hoping to see <laughs> when those playoffs come around. Oliver Bjorkstrand, Justin Schultz comes in in the defensive defenseman role. Martin Jones is signed as a stopgap with Chris Rieger injured, and he has some solid months, you know, in in November um, and eats up minutes. Um, you know, Matty Beniers really shows out and is the Calder Cup, you know, uh, presumed, presumed winner. Jared McCann continues to play well. Jordan Eberle has a great year. Vince Dunn has a career season and is my arguable pick for MVP of this team. You know, Jer uh, at his line mate, Adam Larson, continues to play well. The big head has this amazing goal in the Chicago game that we're going to look at. You know, there are contributions up and down the board. It's hard to single out one guy is not picking up the slack because everybody has picked up slack in this team. Even guys who have been scratches, John Hayden, who's injured, has come in and provided valuable minutes. You know, Ellie Tolvanen was a waiver pickup from Nashville that Nashville didn't want anymore at that point. You know, 
Uh, we look at the scratches. I mean, Jacob Megda's come in uh, and been a consummate veteran. Kale Flurry's played some important minutes for this team. Jesper Froden's, you know, uh, slotted into the lineup when needed. So it has been a true team effort with this unit because there isn't a true superstar, so to say. There wasn't even technically an all-star on this team because Matty Beneers wasn't able to participate in all-star weekend. So um, it's been a ton of fun to witness this team go from effectively worst to not first, but a playoff berth. Um, and they still have some, you know, there's still three games to play in the regular season, two of them against divisional rivals in Vegas. Um, and there's still uh seating to figure out. So, you know, um, it's been a ton, a ton of fun to witness this, to witness this team, you know, witness guys and personalities like Spronger on a day-to-day basis. See Matty Beneers and Yanni Gord have conversations after just a, just about every practice, you know, about what they could have done better, what they're looking to do. You know, um, it's been awesome. It's been really awesome. Uh, so let's get to the photos of the Coyotes games here. So we'll go the first one on the third, both by our photographer, Liv Lyons, our lead photographer, Liv Lyons, who, again, before I get to it, it's been a privilege to, you know, witness these games with Liv and shoot these games with Liv because, and obviously if, if you know, Liv and myself, I've made this joke and Liv's made this joke as well that, you know, back in, I believe it was September, maybe October, Liv didn't think that they were going to shoot much hockey games, you know, after we were riding off of the high um, of the Mariners making the postseason and covering that season. Now we are where we are with that. So uh, this first one, uh, poor Ryan Donato, you know, everybody, it was Easter yesterday. You know, we think of Ryan Donato as this God-loving man, which he is. I'm not saying he isn't. You know, this, uh, he's uh, very big on his faith. I remember after, I think he had, I mean, I believe it was a two-goal game. Um no, I think it was he had come back into the lineup after being a scratch and scored. He talked about being a man. He's like, I'm a man of faith. And after every game that we talked to Ryan Donato and people ask him, oh, you know, how did you do well? He talked about his faith. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's cute that he mentions that all the time. He has a cross on his stick uh, that he'll draw on it. You know, he still was able to show up for the pride game. So nothing about religion hinders him from doing that. And he showed that. Um but the Coyotes games obviously have been a bit feisty. And to see Ryan Donato getting like his whole head squished, uh, it, it, you know, but the story also behind this photo is great as well. Um, I believe, yeah, I believe it was Donato who, no, Donato or Sprong had, yes, yeah, Sprong had scored. Um, wait, no, hold on. Goodness gracious. I'm sorry, I have to figure this out. I, it's been a long, long year, folks. Please forgive me. Uh, Seattle Kraken versus Arizona Coyotes, April. I apologize. I greatly apologize. Um, here we go. All we have to do is look at the, because it was, it was like literally with 30 seconds. I want to say it was Donato. Um, yeah, now that I yeah, it was Donato. Donato scored with like 27 seconds left and uh Daniel Sprong got hit after the goal had gone in, cheap shot by the Coyotes and Donato went to defend him. It, it's just loser hockey, really. It's just garbage, garbage hockey, you know. Um that the Coyotes have been playing lately, you know, they've got nothing to play for. They're in the hunt for Connor Bedard. They 
they're actually not because they're like 10 points out of the top top few spots so they can't even tank right um all this stuff again they've got a game to play tonight so god god please forbid that anything happens um but to see ryan donato stick up for his team like like teammate like that after he had just scored um and get into a fight after he's not really i mean we've seen him fight before but you know to see that again talks speaks to the camaraderie of this team speaks to the 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 bonds that are on this team um there were some uh great fight photos from this other game against arizona but considering that i made the entire mccann veneers everly line our players of the game i thought this photo by live where you've got mccann leaving the celebration vince dunn making a, a sassy as if face adam larson veneers you can see jordan everly's number in there but that sort of top unit in there uh celebrating mccann's goal i thought that just fitted perfectly um and that's why i decided to go with that so we'll wrap up here April 8th versus Chicago, a 7-3 win. Seattle coming off of clinching their first playoff berth. Wondered how this game would go, considering, you know, you've they technically do have points to play for on the table, but um, you've got your playoff berth clinched, right? <sighs> Seattle comes out and handles business. There were some defensive issues. You know, the big cat Adam Larson did point that out. Um but, you know, 7-3 win, hard to argue. I believe it's the seventh time that the team has scored seven or more goals, which is just absolutely ludicrous. Um, and I don't believe anybody else is close to doing the same sort of thing. Our player of the game for Daniel Sprong, one goal, two assists, three points, a two plus minus, and three shots. Uh, and so, you know, I go over the photos. This photo captured by our photographer, Matthew Bermudez, gets the big cat goal. I just absolutely insane to have said that we've been able to witness two amazing breakaway goals by the big cat this season um i know that there are some big cat fans out there please contain yourselves i know it's been great but please contain yourselves this is a pointed message um it, it was incredible to see him fly out of the box and i said oh no he's gonna do it again uh because i remember being in the airport leaving for arizona in spring training when uh live lines and myself were waiting for our flight and larson scored the overtime winner uh eddie olchek let out a a an amazing it was like the wilhelm screaming yes and it was like what in the world just happened you know after that the goal the Kraken had given up a goal with, you know, just seconds left. Uh, so anyway, we are we are prospering in, in Big Cat content this year. So our player of the week, at least mine, uh, was for Jared McCann. Four goals, four points, four assists, pardon me, eight points, 10 plus minus, 17 shots, five hits, and two blocks on the week. Canner, again, to have him the guy who signed his extension first with this organization to to be at 39 goals on the season so far maybe he breaks that tonight um best done is 99 points so maybe he breaks that through tonight um it, it, it's meant a lot you know again being who i am you know i love seattle so much and i'm not saying that nobody else does i'm saying that i'm putting it into context why i feel this way um to have someone like McCann come out, one of you, like your first stars, really, come out and say, I signed this extension because I want to build something here. I believe what we're doing here. I love the fans here. I love Seattle. All this stuff. It was like a love letter. It's like you're tugging at my heartstrings, guy. Um, to go out and sign that extension meant a lot. And it happened the same day that uh, Russell Wilson got traded. So it was like uh, it was a give and a take, right? There's some, there's emotions all over the place. 
Um, so for him to do that meant a lot. And so to see his success, it means even more, you know, I'll remember stuff like that through the years. Right. So, you know, um, a tip of the cap to Jared McCann, um, really hoping he breaks through to 40 goals and has a 40 goal season. I believe he does, but you know, there's a reason they play the games. Anyway, uh, we've got some other injury related news and some team related stuff. I talked about the postseason birth already, so you know we can continue to talk about that, and we'll talk about that. Excuse me, I'm sure when we wrap the season up. Um, but let's get it here to injury-related news and such. On the third forward, Andre Burakovsky was on the ice at morning skate in a red no-contact jersey, so he was with the full group, thankfully, um, but hasn't been back since. Uh, so there's a Berkey sighting if we need to can, like do a Andre Burakovsky sighting sort of thing. On the sixth forward, Alex Wenberg took a puck to the side of the head, more of the ear, uh, and left that game and did not return for the, the, for the third period. Uh, he had to get 20 stitches on his head, but he did not miss any time after that, thankfully. So uh, his uh, uh, sorry, I'm always waiting to see if news is happening because of the thing that happened earlier. Um, Wenberg's uh, uh, wife and partner uh, posted that he's had 150 stitches in his face. I believe it was uh in total 50 this year, 20 um, after that injury, which is insanity, you know, that that's happened. Um, On the eighth, the team officially put forward John Hayden on IR. There's no betterment to that. It's more of a formality. Again, if you've been following along, I believe it was in Arizona when I announced this, we found out that he was effectively out for the course of the season with a lower body injury that he had suffered after the, uh, after the Oilers game, I believe it was. So again, that's just more of a formality. There's no cap circumvention sort of thing. There's no benefit to it that I know of. Um, and I even checked. So, and then on the same day uh, against Chicago forward, Jane Schwartz missed the game uh, and is viewed as day to day. So take that how you will. Uh, I imagine that with the playoff berth locked up and with the team already being sort of protective with Schwartz, with him always in his tracksuit for morning skates and practices, um, that they're just being precautionary. I just ima- I imagine that's what it is. Um, in team related news on the fourth against the Canucks, Oliver Bjorkstrand missed that game, uh, against Vancouver. And you can sense why he wasn't on the injured list as him and primarily his wife, Jill welcomed their son, Otto into the world, Otto and Oliver. That is adorable. That is adorable. Um, so yes, they welcomed their son into the world. I know in the morning skate ahead of the game against the Coyotes on the sixth, we asked him and he is, uh, the white, the, the, so Otto is happy and healthy, and so is Jill, happy and healthy. So good to hear that. Awesome to hear that. And congratulations to Oliver, who it's his birthday today. So happy birthday to Oliver Bjorkstrand. I know we do the posts on social media, but we typically don't mention it on the show. But happy birthday to you, Oliver. Many, many happy returns to you on this day. Uh, on the 6th, Shane Wright was sent down to AHL Coachella Valley. Um his season with the OHL Windsor Spitfires, who had actually, I believe, clinched a first, who had secured a top spot in the OHL, got swept. And so our friend RJ Escanos over at Emerald City Hockey did some deep digging. I saw it happening. He was frantically looking through the CBA. Um, and he can join the Firebirds and is expected to play there and not just be a quote-unquote extra skater. 
So that'll be interesting to see uh, right add to that playoff run. Exciting to see him contribute there and continue to play hockey. And again, I really believe he'll be with his team next season. I'm not worried about it. Um, on the eighth, uh, with their win over Chicago, Seattle ensured that they cannot finish below the top wildcard spot. It's out of reach for anybody else. So that's where I mentioned the seating. You know, they can go, I believe, as high as the third overall spot in the division. It's currently held by the Kings. The Kings did 100 points. The Kraken sit at 98 points. So you see why that's important. Um, on the ninth, the team recalled goaltender Joey Decord on an emergency basis. He's not getting the start tonight in Mall Arena. Uh, he is an Arizona State alumni. Mm, we might see him play a little bit here, but I imagine with the back-to-back taking place, we see Decord tomorrow against the Golden Knights in Las Vegas. Um, on the tenth, which is today, for Jordan Eberle was named as the NHL's second star of the week with that photo by Liv Lyons here, where he's helping uh, one of his little ones uh, on the ice during uh, the Superstar Skills Showcase. Uh, Everly collected four goals, four assists, and eight points, highlighted by a pair of game-winning goals in four outings to propel the Kraken to a perfect week as they clinched their first playoff berth in franchise history. He scored once in an 8-1 to triumph over the Arizona Coyotes on the third. Uh, Everly then recorded the decisive goal in each of Seattle's next two contests, tallying one goal and one assists uh, for two two points in the win against Vancouver and one goal, two assists, three points and a four to two victory over the Coyotes on the sixth. He finished the week with one goal, one assist, two points, reaching the 20 goal milestone for the eighth time in his 13 seasons, uh, 13 season NHL career and second time in as many years with the Kraken in a seven to three triumph versus the Chicago Blackhawks uh, on the eighth. The 32 year old Everly has skated in 79 total contests this season placing among Seattle's top performers in game-winning goals, tied for first with four assists, second for four, with 43 uh, points, third with 63, and goals tied for fourth with 20. So hats off to Ebbs there, um, getting that honor. It's it's really cool. Again, I talked about the depth when I mentioned that the team had clinched the playoffs. Everly, again, is a guy that you know is respected around the league of consummate veteran, um, but... Seattle was able to take him, you know, and and make him part of their inaugural roster. And something that really stood out to me at the end of the year, you know, is after another tough tough loss, Everly in a post-game presser said, you know, it's about the guys who want to be here. You know, you see that effort, you notice that effort, um, and you see that, you know, who wants to be here. And when he said that, part of the leadership group for this team, it meant a lot to know that, hey, these guys aren't packing, some of these guys at least aren't packing it in. So that's great to see. Um, and it's nice to see Ebbs recognized there. So with three games left in the regular season and a playoff berth in hand, the Kraken set at a 45 win, 26 loss, eight overtime loss record, fourth in the Pacific Division, uh, sitting at 98 points, just two out of reach of the third place spot with that playoff spot secured. So looking ahead, they play April 10th at the Arizona Coyotes. That is tonight, 7 p.m. Pacific time, the first game of a back-to-back and the final time they will play the Coyotes this year. Uh, as the games with the Desert Dogs certainly have been disastrous in terms of the fights that have taken place. Um, looking ahead then, that sec- that game in the back-to-back is April 11th versus the Las Vegas Golden Knights, the final away game that the Kraken will play with a start time of 7 p.m. PST. And then 
<clears throat> excuse me, they will have a day off before they close out the regular season with a contest against the Las Vegas Golden Knights on the 9th, 13th, pardon me, not the 19th, a 7.30 p.m. start time. Yes, it's unfortunately a 7.30 start. I believe that game is also on ESPN. It is fan appreciation night, and it is the regular season finale. So that'll be a big one. And again, with what I mentioned, there is still seating on the line, so it's not like these guys are playing for nothing. Um, we move over here to Oral Rain. They did OL Rain, not Oral Rain. Get Oral, Oral, Oral. I'm struggling. OL Rain or OL Rain here. Um, didn't play a game over the course of the past week. At least the team as a whole did not. They were at the game against Chicago uh, to honor Rosalie Fish, a University of Washington student athlete, um, for her work, uh, which was really cool to see. To see not only the rain. Um, but also Rosalie um, in her message. Uh, there was no match for them over the course of the past week. There was a, a international window, some friendly matches, um, and some of the internationals took um, part in that. We'll jump straight to the team news there. Six rain players are set to join the national teams for friendly matches over the April international break. That was announced on the 5th. Uh, Alana Cook, Sofia Huerta, Emily Sonnet, and Rose Lavelle joined the U.S. women's national team when they played uh, Ireland. I'm going to represent the the uh, my, the Irish blood in me. Uh, Jess Fishlock joined Wales over the course of the break. And then for Jordan Heidema competed with Team Canada. So about the usual suspects, I know that Megan Rapinoe is still dealing with injury-related stuff, so that's probably why she wasn't there with them. Um, but good to see that take place as well. Uh, they are gearing up for their first home game of the course of the season they will play san diego in a big battle uh hoping to get every just about everybody back healthy haven't heard anything out of training check here uh they had an open training today but with the recording i didn't think i'd have time but technically i would have it's no matter um let's see here if there's anything to note, no, it doesn't appear like it. Um, nothing that I can see. So um, it's big. I know that we'll be there. I'm excited to be back for my third season covering the rain. Um, my first ever press credential was with the rain. That club means a lot to me. The club means a lot to me. You know, the support from the club itself. Um, the front office, the team itself, you know, the supporters, uh, the fans of the team. Um, I will always love the rain and covering the rain. So that is, that means a lot. I, I always look up here. If, if you aren't aware, you know, when we've done the show here at home in the past, I've got all the, the first credentials from every team that I've got like first rain credential, first sounders credential, first Kraken credential, uh, UW soccer in the playoffs. That's my first of their credentials. First Seals credential, first Mariners credential, first Thunderbirds credential. Um, and then above me here, I've got my ALDS credential, uh, my season credential with the Sounders last year, uh, my NWSL championship credential. That was fun. And a piece of the confetti on the Seattle Sports Star of the Year credential. So anything that's not being used right now, right? Um, I mean, this is a club that it was, it's been tough to see them hit the semifinal both of the past years and not be able to make it past that mark. Um, but, you know, the OGs are back at least for another season. Um, 
and I believe Luani is here in the U.S. now, thankfully, uh, dealing with all the visa stuff. Uh, Angelina's working back from a season-ending injury still, you know, still looking to hammer down the finishing sort of things, but they got their victory against Gotham. Gotham's a good club, a talented club. Um, I'm really excited for the rest of this rain season. You know, they play this one against San Diego, which shouldn't be anything easy. Uh, obviously, Alan, Alex Morgan... Uh, was a, a a tough talent in the league to play, just scoring like mad as the season went on last year. So it'll be a good contest, and you know it'll be great to see Lumen Field, you know, with the rain back in it again um, on Saturday. Yes, Saturday, Saturday. Yes, oop, opened a bunch of things. Go away. So we head to that. Our rain today, one win, one loss record on the season, good for fifth in the league table with two points. Looking ahead, that match April 15th versus the San Diego Wave is a 7 p.m. start, and it is the rain home opener. So get out to that. If you aren't already, tickets are still available. Go out and fill Lumen um, as they begin. Uh, well, not technically begin, but they play their first home match at Lumen Field this year. We move over to our Seawolves here who saw their undefeated stretch finally come to a close, unfortunately. Um when they hosted their bitter rival San Diego on the eighth at Starfire Stadium, a loss twenty-three to twenty. Our player of the match, fly half Jordan Chait, Chait, uh, thirteen points scored, one try scored, two penalty kicks scored there as he returned to the lineup uh, as the starting fly half. This one's just—it was a tough one. I mean, it was very much like a like a uh, ooh shoot, what's the word? Tug of war sort of game. You know, San Diego came out. Uh, scored early. Seattle was able to score. Um, San Diego got a kick early. Seattle answered with a kick of their own. Um, San Diego had a try that was overturned, and Seattle was able to hold them out. And then they would eventually get one to come into the half, leading eleven to three. Charles Elton would score a try for Seattle to bring us back within. I believe it was within one. And then Chait got a a kick to put Seattle ahead. And then it was um, Chait actually scored a try and then converted to the kick to put Seattle ahead. I was like, oh, this 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 big swing had happened. They had been down eleven to three, and then they had gone on and scored. I believe it was like eleven unanswered. And then San Diego came by and rumbled by, got to twenty three. Seattle had the ball uh, with time ticking down and turned it over, and that was that. So it was a tough one. I mean, you had to figure this one was coming. You know, they. You know, started out the season six and zero. It can't last forever, right? And it didn't. Uh, you play a San Diego team that was right behind you in the standings, so it makes sense. I mean, they're your rival as well. Um, just tough considering the mistakes that were made for this loss to happen. Seattle made some mistakes. Uh, they, they their formula had been working, but you know, some mistakes, turnover the ball doesn't end well for you. So tough one there, but. I, I, you know, it's. Uh, I'm happy with the way the season's gone so far this year. To see the way that these veterans have been able to contribute, you've got these guys like Elton and Chite who were acquired in the off season and are spending their first years as SeaWolves here, and I believe their first year in MLR uh, as well, um, and contributing. And you've still got guys that have championship pedigree that, you know, I wrote about this as well. I don't imagine they're going to allow this this loss to sort of sit with them and just let it be something that lingers, you know what I mean? So focus up. You've got Utah next week. 
can't let it just be, you know, something that derails you in the course of your season. And I don't believe that's going to happen. So, um, tough loss. Yes. Probably could have won it, but you move on. You're going to lose things. You know, you played a good team. That's how it goes. So looking ahead for our Seawolves, they sit at a six and one record again, six and one is nothing to scoff at. Um, 27 standings points, uh, second in the league and second in the Western Conference. They move on uh, April 5th at the Utah Warriors, a 6.30 p.m. start time. Uh, head back out on the road, and they've got a tough contest against Utah. Again, don't want to let a loss, any loss really, uh, let spiral like this, but especially a close one, you don't want to let that one uh, become something that knocks you out. This game against Utah will also not be any you know sort of walk in the park because Utah sits at a five and two record. They are fourth in the Western Conference, but they sit at a five and two record. That would have that's uh, that would have been good enough points wise for second in the East and good at the same record as the New England Free Jacks. So this is going to be no pushover. So anyway, we move over to our Sea Dragons, another team that had been really really hot uh, coming into their game. Unfortunately, would drop that one uh, to DC. April 9th versus the DC Defenders, a 33 to 34 loss. Our play of the game, Juwan Green, seven receptions, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. Tough one. Uh, I was not able to witness this one. Um, Seattle was down a good amount at the half, though. They would come back. Obviously, you see that Seattle only had, I believe it was three points at halftime. Um, they come out and add 30, but obviously, some I've been talking about the last, well, for the majority of the season, actually, has been Seattle's defense and the way that they've been able to keep them in games. Uh, they had six points at the half. Okay, so going to score 27 is no easy feat. Um, yeah, they were down 16-6 to six at the half. Giving up a 12-point quarter to D.C. in the final is a tough one. Um, there was a lot of excitement uh, for... Seattle having acquired Philip Lindsay before this game with injuries to their running backs. Morgan Ellison's been banged up. Um, yeah, he didn't play in this game. Brennan Knox didn't play. Uh, Lindsay, eight carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. So he did score in his debut, but tough. I mean, Ben Denucci had 30, 301 yards through the air, three touchdowns and one pick. So he did have the pick. Uh, I know that uh, Quinterio Cole had a good game, three assisting tackles, five solo, eight total, two tackles for loss and a forced fumble. Just couldn't, the defense wasn't up to par on this one. I mean, 34 points, that's that's tough to give up in any right there. So tough to see Seattle lose that one. But the problem is now, I mean, they sit at a five and three record, which isn't horrible. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But with that second loss to DC on the year, um, playoffs become you know you, you start to look at tiebreakers here and it becomes really complicated um essentially if seattle loses to st louis this week it's over it is over so the playoffs aren't completely out of reach but you need to beat st louis this week and you do so you play them on the road which <laughs> isn't going to be ideal because St. Louis has a pretty solid support uh, at home. So uh, the Sea Dragons sit at a 5-3 and three record, which is good for third in the XFL Norris behind St. Louis and behind D.C. Their next matchup against St. Louis. Did I say St. Louis? I'm, yes, sorry. 
saying St. Louis a lot. Their next matchup is April 16th, Sunday at St. Louis, um, battling the Battle Hawks at 12 p.m. Pacific time. So a noon game there for the Sea Dragons, and they need to win that one or their playoff hopes are as good as dead. I know I didn't have a star of the week last year. Last year, last week. See? Tired. Um, but with the Kraken making the playoffs, it only makes sense. Uh, we've got our clinch graphic here. That one took a lot of effort, so I was glad to see that people enjoyed that. Um, it just makes the most sense to me. I mean, with the turnaround that they've had, you know, a team that really struggled really, really badly defensively last year. They've had their defensive issues this year, but just nothing really went right for that team. You know, uh, you look at many of the facets, their their specialty teams, not great. Their offense, not great. Their defense, not great. Their goaltending, struggle. You know, so not a lot went well for them. So to see the Kraken go out there um, and make the playoffs and have the depth that they've had and to really be this team that's seen so much success and clinched a playoff berth, you know, had that seven-game road trip that they swept, uh, scored all these goals in November, beat Boston in Boston and shut them out, you know, and should have beat Boston here. Uh, challenged some great teams. They In that seven-game win streak, they, well, was it the seven-game win streak? Uh, the game after beating Boston, I believe it was, they went in and they beat the Maple Leafs in Toronto, you know, so this team has been a ton of fun um, to cover and to follow along with, and with that, you know, some of the, the people, you know, you meet covering this team have been incredible as well. Um, and two in particular, because one's birthday is today and one's is tomorrow. Um, I know he comments on a lot of our stuff and I really appreciate him for that. And he deals with a lot of my weird comments. Um, Max, happy birthday. Uh, say, uh, happy birthday to my friend, Max. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, I give you a lot of crap. A lot of my friends like crap, uh, but I appreciate you being a sport about it. Um, and just being really supportive as a friend uh, of of Charles and of what we do here at Circling Seattle Sports. So thank you, Max, and happy birthday to you. Uh, and to my friend Ray, this is their birthday tomorrow. I'm going to watch the Vegas game, the Vegas game, the Kraken game when they play Vegas. Um, Ray, I want to say happy birthday to you. I, I would say the same thing um, about what I said about Max, you know, your kindness and friendship to me as well as supporting me and what we do here at Circling Sales Sports means the world to me. Um, those are two excellent, excellent human beings. Um, happy birthday to them. Obviously, Max today, Ray tomorrow. Um, but, you know, with... Uh, what was I going to say? It's, you know, to, to the people that you meet in sports is amazing, you know. I don't have to be totally into it, analytics, this and that, and have every piece of merchandise, whatever. Just the people, you know, within these sports. I always like to say that sports are the great unifier, and that is true, and I am so grateful for that. So happy birthday to you both. Um, until I see you next week, we're going to be in the 17th of April. I will save you the comments about how time is flying. I hope you are well. I hope you take care of yourselves. It's been raining lately. It's raining today. Uh, I'm going to order, I think, some spicy teriyaki chicken, maybe, maybe some wing dough. It's going to be spicy either way. Until I see you next week, thank you all for all that you do to support us and to support the show and to support everything that we do. 
Until we see you next week, take care of yourselves, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. I love you all. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.